Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm mom to two boys, a former middle school teacher, a homeschooler, and a writer. And you're going to still not be a middle school teacher next year, right? You're staying I know, right? I am. I guess I won't be a middle school teacher next year. I'm still a former middle school teacher. Yeah, (laughs) I got the call and I was like, I'm not coming back. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, we're going to homeschool the nugget again. So just the little one, the big one's going to school, but the little one, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm legit. I'm not just a COVID homeschooler now. I've got my last year of homeschooling. And then you're done, right? Then he grows up and he gets a job and it's over and you never have to parent again, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) We're already talking about a gap year, so we'll see what that's about. Oh, God. I literally just had this breakdown this week where I'm like, I thought it was supposed to get easier. No, no, no. It gets much worse the older they get. I had a good friend of mine that said when they're little, they have little problems. When they're big, they have big problems. Uh, That is 100% the truth. Yep. So anyway, welcome to Tulip Mama's episode 28. (laughs) (laughs) The the episode in which we both have a meltdown while trying to avoid a hurricane. (laughs) Um, No. Dear listeners, as we're recording this right now, we are trying to schedule around the hurricane that's blowing through my neck of the woods. <laughs> she has been downgraded to a tropical storm, but she's still angry. So let's hope for, hopefully we'll get this all recorded before the power goes. Let's hope. Let's hope. God, God knows I'm sure my husband didn't get gas for the generator. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be a small blip and then we're back up and running. It'll, no, be, it'll the be the whole thing. <laughs> right. They'll be screaming. They'll be bilingual screaming. They'll be like, what is wrong with you? Why did you do this? Like, it'll be ugly. <laughs> so we're trying. So bear with us. But this is the episode when we're going to talk about making money. Money, money, money. <laughs> so we'll be making it rain. <laughs> like you're, our- so, you're so tough. <laughs> I know. You like I how think, I said I that? I think you're to call it make it rain, not make it rain. making it rain. <laughs> why do you always give me those lines where you know I'm just going to sound like a frumpy middle-aged housewife? <laughs> because in my mind, you're cooler. Like there's still some bit of cool left in you. Like when I'm writing this out, I'm like, oh, she's cool enough to say that. It'll be cool. Yeah. No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong again. <laughs> You're always like, no, you say it like this. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to be a mom in the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) And be cool. Yeah, it's really hard to do both of those things. All right. So our young entrepreneurs in the books this week are middle school is a drag. So you better work. There you go. Work. Work. You gotta work. Work. It's like RuPaul. You "You better work. (laughs) I love RuPaul. And um, Millionaires for a Month by Stacey McAnulty. So I'm psyched to get into these books because they were both really fun. And um, I think that I, I've been dying to read this book that I that I read this week, so I can't wait to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, you've been what, talking about it for a while now. I know, so. because you know I love a drag queen. I know, you know it's I love so awesome. So what's new in the land, in your land, though, before we go starting? Let's see. How's the hurricanes? Any hurricanes? No? No, no hurricanes. Good. No tornadoes. We did have a small earthquake a while ago. Really? Yeah. We get rumblings every once in a while, which is crazy to think about in is Indiana. Is it gas? <laughs> well, it's funny because I... You know, I lived in California and I remember right. the first time in when I was living in Indiana and there was an earthquake in the middle of the night and I woke up and I was like, dang, I swear that was an earthquake, but that couldn't possibly be it. You know, because like it woke me up and I recognized it after living in California and, and the, yeah, the next day they're like, oh yeah, India had an earthquake. I'm like, wow, that's really crazy. We had one here last year and my husband thought I had the washing machine on. It's like, go 
likes the washing machine. That's how big our earthquake was. He's like, something's wrong with the washing machine. Yeah, I'm like, it's not on. Well, I have to say the last one we had, I don't even think I felt it. Like, I remember feeling like dizzy for a second and I just thought it was me. <laughs> like, oh, I'm my ears are clogged. That's how I was when we would get them in Turkey. I would be like, it's me, right? Because I was like always pregnant or something while we were there. I was so out of sorts. I was like, is it me? And my husband's like, no, run. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> we're like in a fourth floor walk up. And I was like, it's me, right? No, no, no. Get out of the building. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember the first one in California that I experienced. It was really scary because um, I worked for the news newspaper in college and the our offices were in the basement of a building and I remember standing and and of course you know how in school buildings like just have that flooring that's like whatever hard hard flooring you know like not pretty kind of like linoleum right yeah exactly and I was standing there and you could see it was like a wave like on the ocean it looked like a wave and it felt like a wave like you were kind of on a boat or something and I'm like how is this building not falling apart right now it was really freaky really freaky and we're in the basement I'm like please get me out of here now (laughs) but yeah everybody else who'd grown up in California was like "Eh, it's no big deal that was a small one. You're like, but I'm from Illinois and it's big to me. Yeah, we don't. We, you know, we have tornadoes, but, you know, it's funny because Indiana has earthquakes, but I don't know if they're felt in Illinois. I guess I never even asked my family there. We never had them in Iowa. No, I don't remember ever having one in Illinois, but tornadoes for sure. I remember like being young, but I always thought it was exciting because you got to go to the basement and, you know, like, you, you know, it would be in the middle of the night and you're like, it's I all know, I know. out of the norm and it was kind of fun. They're all like up in arms because they're like, there might be tornadoes with this tropical storm. And I'm like, girl, you do not know tornadoes. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. When you've outrun them in like the tornado alley, oh, then, yeah. then, then call me. <laughs> Yeah, back in the early 90s, I don't want to say, I lived in Kansas, and yes, one of the worst tornadoes came through our town. It had been on the ground for two hours. It was humongous. That's insane. Two hours on the ground? Yeah, that's really unusual. And so, like, we'd been hearing about it and hearing about it and hearing about it, and it finally came close to the school I was at, and it somehow jumped over the top of the school I was at like it was headed straight for us in our building and everything and then like they said even when they went back and looked at it they're like it was weird there was like a burst of upward air that just like sent it up and over the top and then it came back down on the other side and you could see the track it was crazy and in that huddle there was some old lady who was praying and oh she believes it was because of her she i'm sure it. it was probably half the people in the school because it was funny i was like huddled with some girls in the bathroom because it was like the only room without any windows yeah 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 and uh we were all like dead quiet and the radio screaming it's headed for the college it's headed for the college Oh, yeah, that's not nerve wracking. And then the power went out, the radio stopped, the lights went off. And one of the girls just this is started like Twister. I know it was crazy. And one of the girls just started like uncontrollably praying as loud as she could. Like, and I was like, this is crazy. See, that's the <laughs> difference between a good Christian girl. I would be dropping some major F bombs, and all <laughs> yeah. the profanity that was within my body would just be spewing out a top volume. I mean, that <laughs> happens a lot. So, whatevs. But good on her for like picking Jesus over the F bomb. Well, and she was like the least likely one you would think would do that too, which was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, oh, she has some praying to do. She thinks she's something's die. bad, yeah. right? She's done. She's done some good. <laughs> oh god, that oh was my crazy. God. 
That was a crazy time. Well, let's hope we don't have any more. There were some good ones, though, when we lived in Indiana. Remember the time I called you and I'm like, hey, are the tornado sirens going off in your neighborhood? You're like, yeah, the sky's great. I'm going to go to the basement now. I'm like, oh, maybe I should do the same. Oh, I don't have a basement. (laughs) And I was at the CBS drive-thru and the lady's like, yeah, what are those sirens? She's like, I guess they're tornadoes. Yeah. There's a freaking tornado over by your house. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they took out a, that one took out a barn and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And we like our house, the back backs up. Well, it used to back up to a cornfield. Now they're building a whole new subdivision, which I'm not super excited about, but um, it used to back up to a cornfield. So you could see, and I would like during tornado season, I, well, obviously having lived through a terrible tornado, I kind of keep my eye on the sky. Yeah, And that day, yeah, it was definitely green. And I could even see some like little uh, funnels like forming, but none of them touched the ground. Yeah. But yeah, that was a freaky day. It was freaky because I had just picked up my older son at school and I was like what is that sound that's weird because it was like a school thing like there was so we left early and I had to get nuggets kidney medicine and I'm like but I have to get the kidney medicine let's just go get it real quick and and my older son is like mom I think something's wrong I think that's why the sirens are gone I'm like they'll tell us at CBS and the lady at CBS is like I don't know what that is it's amazing we came out alive my husband had a there was a really bad tornado last time he was in Alabama for work and uh he was at like a restaurant and they made him all go in the freezer. My husband had to do that th- same thing. He had to go into it at work. They didn't have any place for them to go, which P.S. Indiana. Let's talk about this. Right. You are literally in the alley and there's there's no basements in half the in any of the homes we ever lived in there. There was no basement in the schools, either th- any of the schools that I taught in. Like you have to prepare. And his he worked in one of those big high rises in the city. And they just were like, they took him down to the restaurant on the bottom and put them all in the freezer. Good, good choice. That's it. That's the best you got. <laughs> the freezer is like the panic room, apparently. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, so should we get into these books before everyone's like, are they, is this the tornado episode? Is that what they're talking about? Do we get off topic? Just a little bit. (laughs) Never, never. (laughs) All right, let's get started. Hey, Marky, let's start with you this week because I cannot wait to hear about drag queens in middle school. I just didn't even know this was a thing. So please tell me all about it. Okay. Well, before I start, I have to say, if you have Discovery Plus, which P.S. not a plug because they don't advertise, but you should Discovery Plus because I'm an avid watcher and you can email me. Just let me know if you want to be our ad sponsor. But anyway, Discovery Plus has this show on there called Drag Kids. And if you really are interested in this or you have a kid that's interested in this, it's so worth watching. Also, at the end of the book, there's also some um, some more information about some resources. It's a dra- I think I'm going to say it wrong. I think it's Dragutant. It's a nonprofit that hosts performance platforms for younger drag kids. So it's a thing. It's a growing wow. thing. My nugget and I watched the um, drag kids <laughs> because he really he is like yeah. such a little jock. He loves all things sports. He is always watching. I mean, he was in tears about the Stanley Cup the other day, but. As a well-rounded nugget that he is, he also loves drag. So, doesn't like to perform it, but he likes to watch. So, it's good to know. He's a renaissance man. He is a renaissance <laughs> man. And he does love drag. So, so he and I were watching this. And it was very informative because I know a lot of drag queens. I've always known a lot of, uh, been really like kind of up in the drag world back in Philadelphia and in New York. And it, I learned a lot. And it was all about how drag isn't about a sexual preference it's not about being gay it's not it's it's about a persona it's a performance keep that in mind as we go forward 
it's acting and it's taking it's like it's an art form drag is an art form well back in the day like all the shakespeare characters that were women were played by men it's a long-standing tradition in theater right you should really watch this show drag kids you would love it it's fabulous they were really good anyway so that sort of was a i was glad i had watched that before i read this book middle schools a drag you better work by greg howard because it kind of gave me a little bit of a Oh, all right. I know where we are, like a grounding to kind of enjoy the book more. So anyway, let me start off by saying this, you know, we love Greg Howard. Yes, He's going on do. our Francia list. For sure. So we just talked about his book, The Whispers. And we gushed all over that a couple episodes ago. So this is the same guy and a whole different approach. Same awesome storytelling, great characters. <laughs> like You read this book and you feel like this is like, this is part of the author. We know that this like the connection that you feel to the the person writing these stories is, you know, these Greg Howard stories, like you really get a slice of him and you feel like, oh, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about because this is, this is rooted in his real life. All right. Not that he does drag, but I'll get to that later. Um, Anyway. So back in the day, you know, I used to work as a costume designer. That's what I went to grad school for the first time. And I worked in uh, operatic and theatrical costume design. So I knew a lot of drag queens and, and I knew a lot about drag. Um, because uh, because when you work in the opera and you work in costumes, you work with a lot of people who also spend their like they make their extra money either making um, drag costumes, they do drag on the side, that kind of stuff. So that's why I was really psyched about this. I, that's sort of my like my rooting in the drag world because I have worked in it and I've worked with a lot in, in costuming and I know a lot of people that have, have done that and stuff, which also means that I also know where to find a pair of size 13 red pumps. <laughs> should you need them ever? If your husband decides to do drag, I can hook him up. <laughs> but anyway, so this is about Mikey Pruitt and Mike, the, he's the main character of our book. And Mikey is an entrepreneur and all he wants is to be successful, like Pap, his his um, grandfather, who is really, really sick and in the nursing home. He really idolizes Pat, and he wants to have an, a, all these successful ventures. He keeps trying. He keeps trying different things, like a general store, but then a tornado like <laughs> took away his cardboard general store. He tried to do crochet lessons or, or something, some kind of lessons like that. Croquet. Sorry, not crochet. Croquet. <laughs> <laughs> Two different things. <laughs> And he does like all these different, different things that um, and none of them really take off, but his parents are so wonderful and they're so supportive. And he's sort of this like dorky middle school kid. He's in seventh grade and they let him set up his business in their carport. And his dad is a landscaper and his mom's a teacher. And his dad even gives him like a little, uh, you know, remember those like old intercom boxes? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he even sets him up like that. So he, and he's always like talking to his mother, like mom, I'm in a business meeting. He has meetings with the board of directors and that's his parents, you know, Cute. and he has this little sister that he calls Satan. And he's always <laughs> like, Not today, Satan. Every time she's just evil. And I love it because she's everything that a little sister is in yeah. real life, you know, like, or a little brother in my case. So um, it was very, it was very fun. He's not having a lot of success in any of his business ventures, but he's open to new, to new opportunities. And one day, an eighth grader comes to his office during his office hours in his carport. And he says that um, his name is Julian and Julian walks in and like, he's a little chubby and a little bit tall. He's, you know, he's a big kid. He's a little chubby. And he's got like always wearing these tank tops that say like, you better work or go girl or all this and that. So he's a little flamboyant and just the kind of child I would love. (laughs) 
Julian decides to ask if if Mikey would represent him as a talent agent because Julian's other persona is Miss Coco Caliente, Mistress of Mayhem. I love it. So Coco Caliente is his drag persona, and he is he's ready to get like take it to the next level, and he thinks that Mikey could help him. Now Mikey has Mikey has figured out that he's gay. But he thinks he's a bad gay because he doesn't really get into drag and he doesn't know much about RuPaul. And he always refers to her as Miss RuPaul. And he decides that, well, maybe this will be okay, but he needs to learn more about it. Eventually, he decides that not only will he take Julian on as a client, he's going to have open auditions and take on his new entrepreneurial venture will be to become a, a talent agent. He's really, he's got like, he's got a, there's an Indian girl who's a clairvoyant. There's um, a, a small, like a, a comedian. There's a little comedian, you know, like a sixth grade comedian or something like that. There's a girl that does tricks with her three-legged dog. I mean, it's like the island of misfit toys. <laughs> but there, he's decided, uh, Mikey has decided that if he can just represent all these acts, get them all into the end of the year middle school talent show, mm. then he's going to earn some big bucks because he can charge commission off of the $100 cash prize. But he's really got his eggs in the Miss Mayhem ba- or Mistress of Mayhem basket because she's probably the best champ. The only problem is that Julian's dad is 100% not into his son doing drag. And when he catches him, like his mom and his abuela are like making him costumes, doing his makeup, loving everything about it. But his father is not, is, has now forbid him from doing drag. And, and then there's a little trouble. They The boys get in trouble at school. And the next thing you know, Mikey has to figure out how not only to get his number one act to be back in action, but how to do it without getting him forever banned and in trouble from his father. He also has to go through this whole learning curve where he figures out that he's, it's okay to be a bad gay. You don't have to like, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to wear RuPaul shirts to be a good gay. And, and kind of like, it's, it was, it was really, it was really fun and really interesting to see kind of his coming around as well. The thing that I love, and it's something that we are seeing so much of lately is that we've read a lot of books with gay characters and we've read a lot of books with really supportive parents and I love it because so many parents that I know would would react just the same way if their middle schooler told them they were gay because his dad is like he's like oh well was he cute did you what was he cute cute or was he cute you know and and he's like I feel like I shouldn't talk to my dad about this but it's weird but they're supportive so whatever I feel like it's so refreshing to see I you know that they, they really are parents like this I'm oh, a parent sure. like that you're a parent like that we would be the same way you know what I mean like right it's it's nice to see that in books instead of these parents that are, oh, I, you know, disowning them or whatever because they are gay and not understanding it. I feel like it's more realistic. I think that is definitely one thing like the millennials have brought to parenting. They are so much more supportive and accepting. Yeah. I think older Gen X parents are like that, too, because we tend to be like whatever makes you happy. You know, like I think Gen X as a whole tends to be that you do you as long as you're not hurting anybody. That's sort of our mentality. And I think like those of us younger Gen X with that were older parents kind of have that same that same methodology, too. So we lived a little bit more before we had before our we had our kids. Yeah, that we have a different perspective as well. But anyway, so that's kind of the basics basis of the book. I absolutely loved this book. I mean, again, we know I'm a Greg Howard fan. We know I'm a little gushy <laughs> on this, but I just thought it was like dessert. It was like the perfect dessert. I was, you know, I started reading it and I was like, couldn't quite 
put it down, but yet I wasn't like, it wasn't like turn the page, turn the page, like the whispers was like, oh my God, I have to keep going. This was more like, oh, I just want to see what happens next. I want to see what's happening. And it was just, it's just fun. It's enjoyable. You know that there's conflict, you know that there's a bully, you know that, but you know, so new from the onset that everything was going to work out in the end. You just wanted to see how, and that sort of middle grade trope, you know, it's all going to come out okay, but just which which version of okay it's going to come out. It was like, it's like a nice Duncan Hines chocolate cake with a cold milk. <laughs> like, it's just, it's nice. You know, it's, it, it is. <laughs> it's just nice. It's enjoyable. It's, and again, perhaps like from a parenting viewpoint, maybe I'm not the right person to give my opinion on this because I do love drag. I do support drag. If my kid one day turned to me and was like, mom, I'm going to do drag, which God willing, we'd have to give up the football and all of the sports to do that. And I don't see that happening. I would be like, please come in for a fitting. Let us make your gowns immediately. So maybe my (laughs) opinion is skewed because I do love this concept so much, but I just think it was really fun. Okay. So tell me, how was it helpful, like teaching kids about entrepreneurialism and stuff like that? Did it get into different like marketing or? Well, the thing that I love about it is Mikey thinks that he's really a big dog. And then there's one scene where he's like, oh, I haven't yelled at anybody for a while. I should stand up and yell at them so they know I'm still in charge. (laughs) And that was the same day that one of his friends, this is the best part. He's Mikey has two friends. One is this like nerdy Indian kid. And the other is this like really preppy black kid who has two moms. So the kid, the friend with two moms, one of their best friends is a drag queen. So he came in to help train Julian one day. And that's when Mikey decides that it's important for him to like yell at people so he knows he's in charge. And the drag queen turns around and just goes off on him. (laughs) And it was beautiful. And it was so he kind of learns what it's like as the thing goes through. He learns how to manage people. You can see. And he's very vocal about it's like, oh, that didn't work. I guess that's not what a manager is. Uh Oh, that didn't work. I guess that's not how it works. And he's so wrapped up in the money at the onset. Like all he wants to do is make money. He just wants to make money. He just wants to make money. And Every time he has an idea, he writes it down as another business option. But by the end, the, it's not about the money anymore. So he kind of is like a reverse entrepreneur. <laughs> like he sort of starts off with like, I don't care about anything but money, but then comes down to just how do I help the people that I love get to the success and who really, you know, like, but I think what, that the money's not as important. That's something that is a huge misnomer about owning your own business is in order to make money, you have to be in service of your clients. Like you have right. to have the, have the heart of a server. You're not a dictator. No, you're not a dictator. You can't be a dictator. I mean, I guess some people get away with that, but like mo- for, for the most part, you need to be serving your customers or your clients. And so it's a totally different mentality than a lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah. And it, he also gets into this kind of like how to make them feel especially Julian, but also another, there's another character, Colton, that kind of becomes his little love interest. And he is also a talented singer and how to like, but what did they need? Not about the, it wasn't about winning as much in the end. It was about like, what did they need to make them feel better as -hmm. a friend and also as the person that supports them? Mm -hmm. So I think it was really, it was very, yeah, it's a good lesson from the, you know, it's not all about the money. It's not all about the power. It's all about keeping them happy. And when they're happy and they're feeling fulfilled and they're getting their needs met, then they're going to give you what you need in the end. Right. Oh, that's really sweet. It's just so funny because he's so wrapped up in making money. Like he just wants to be successful. And then he kind of realizes that maybe that's not 
oh, success isn't always just how many different entrepreneurial ventures you have and how much money you're making, but how, how you interact with other people. I know there's like a money expert who always says money is more, if you look at it like certificates of appreciation, it's something people give you because they appreciate yeah. what you've done for them, basically, um, whether it's a product or a service. But anyway, I always thought that was kind of a cool way of looking at it so that you're not so caught up in like what the money can do for you personally. Right. I, I think, I don't know, and Greg Howard, if you're listening, I'd like to know. I feel like there could be a sequel because mm. one of the big, one of the criticisms that I found people were like, oh, I just wanted it to be about the kid doing drag, which is fine. But you had to get the kid. You know what I mean? Like they wanted him to be the main character, which is fine. And, and at the end, it really le- leans itself to being able to do another version of the book that takes it further with the two of them, but with more emphasis on on that. But yeah, I don't know. It just really, I, it, I didn't need it. I, I felt right. like we had a full story. The whole point was more Mikey's coming of, of age as the entrepreneur, not as the drag kid. Um, I, I, I disagreed with that. I really disagreed with that. Well, I also think one of the things that from the way you're describing it, that I kind of appreciate about, appreciate about this book too, is just the idea of you're going to fail a lot, you know, like in business, you're going to keep trying a lot of different things until something sticks. And that's just normal life, you know, like it's okay to fail at stuff because you're learning along the way and then eventually you're going to figure it out. So that's really cool. And I mean, and a lot of people did not, not a lot. I mean, the handful of bad reviews that I did see, people did not care for Mikey. I found Mikey to be hilarious. He was a hot mess. I have taught so many kids like Mikey that were like so misguided in what they were trying to do and they needed to find their way. And I feel like there's a lot of times that I look at, I read reviews online and they complain about this or complain about that. And I think, well, this wasn't the book for you. Right. Because you don't understand this world or you haven't been exposed to these kind of kids or you haven't you know, been in the classroom with kids that needed to this ex- needed to learn this exact hard lesson or something. Mm-hmm. So how about instead of like slamming it, you just say this wasn't a book for me, right? Well, I also think middle grade has kind of come a long way where the characters are more mm-hmm. complicated. Now they're not always likable, or they go back and forth between being likable and not likable as they're learning. And I kind of like that. I think that makes them so much more interesting and realistic. Yeah. And I think as we start to see more books with gay characters, we can't all have the like everybody can't be the the lovable rick character right you know from rick or this like sweet guy that everyone loves that has all the support well okay fine but that that again is just as stereotypical like every theater kid is a gay you know every gay kid's a theater kid no that's not it and so i think that's what works like mikey is there's he's like he's kind of alex p keaton-esque in that in that sort of idea oh yeah that's what i was thinking there are kids like that you know like i've had gay kids that are just like that but i think that you know we need to see diversity amongst the characters too you know like not every gay kid is going to be the same this was a a needed book we need to see drag kids are a thing right can you imagine like if you're if you're like a 12 year old drag kid to see yourself in a book that would be absolutely mind-blowing right i mean if we're gonna go representation matters then let's keep it going there's a lot of things besides you know just just being in the middle school band or being in the football team or it's like let's keep it going so i think it was it's that's why i was really excited about reading it it's such a different idea it's a crazy approach that's why i loved it i think it was great so again Hey, watch out, Greg Howard. We're coming to your front yard with our box of Franzia where we're just going to clap you into work every day. Go, girl. Good job, girl. We love you. Yeah, we might just move into his front lawn. and But we're going to have to split that off with Stacey McAnulty because you know, she's also on our Franzia list, right? 
how are we going to be in all these places at once? We need to be like um, uh, Harry Potter in those baseball cards where you can run around all day long. <laughs> just, and Just, just sit a card and each yeah, get yeah. cutouts of us on their front yards. <laughs> Could someone please stop these women? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Until we get a cease and desist order. <laughs> Oh my God. Or mental health, whichever it is. All right. All right. So you've got this one. Speaking of our Francia faves, you've got this next book, right? Yes. Tell us about it. Millionaires for the month. Yes. Okay. This one is by Stacey McAnulty. If you remember, she is also the author of the miscalculations of lightning girl, which we talked about in episode 15. Right. And then the other, the world ends in April. Oh yeah. She did world ends April too, which I love that book. She's lighting it on fire. I know, you know, I'm not a fan of realistic fiction, but I have to say, I like the way she's doing. I like her style. I do too. I do too. Because she makes it, it's realistic fiction, but it also has like not a fantasy element, but it's heightened. A yeah, bit heightened. it is. Yeah. yeah. It's so fun. So, and this is her new book. It was released in September of 2020 and it's called millionaires for a month. And it is so fun. I mean, I was laughing out loud when I was reading this book. It is adorable. So it's about two boys, Benji and Felix who are opposites, which totally like the odd couple. It's hilarious. So Felix is a rule follower. He has a single mom who struggled to make enough money for them to get by. And then Benji is an only child from a two-parent middle-class home. And life is just like one big party to him. He loves to bend the rules. He never takes oh God, anything they are seriously. Like an Oscar. I know. It's hilarious. So, And then the two are paired together for a school field trip to New York City. As you can imagine, Felix is not too happy about it. He basically, <laughs> it's funny because he realizes like the teacher put him with this kid on purpose because somebody needed to keep an eye on him. And so, nice. he, of course, he takes his job pretty seriously because here's Benji's like hiding out in the bathroom, going behind displays in the museum. Like Benji's all over the place, like, like whatever, you know. And so Felix is like hot on his tail, like making sure he's, you know, where he's supposed to be. So while they're on their lunch break, so they take a lunch break in in the park of course um central park and benji finds a lost wallet so they soon discover that this wallet belongs to billionaire tech tycoon laura friendly who basically has like sort of the facebook of you know in this world i love that it's a woman very good yeah me too and she's great because she's she's an interesting character because they don't make her all perfect and likable. So inside the wallet is $20 and Benji, of course, had forgotten his lunch that his mom had packed for him. And so he's like, what's the big deal? She's a billionaire. We'll just use this $20 and buy hot dogs. Felix, of course, is like, no, 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 no. And then he's like, well, I'll buy you a hot dog, Felix. And so Felix is like, okay. He's like, then we'll we'll pay her right back. It's no big deal. We'll pay her back. You know, so Benji talks him into it. They um, spend the $20 and And then Felix is feeling really guilty. So he's like, we need to turn in the wallet now. We need to just turn it in. And Benji's like, no, we got to return it to her in person because she she might give us like a million dollars for turning in her wallet, blah, blah, blah. But Felix finally convinces him to just give the wallet to the teacher. And then the teacher gives it to a policeman. But Benji's like, well, how will she know who found it? And so the teacher's like, fine. And she wrote like a little note, the two boys that found it in the school that they go to and stuck it in the wallet. So then, of course, you know, like the next week, Laura Friendly shows up at their school and she wanted to donate some computers or something to the school. And she had $10,000 scholarships for each of the boys. And she was going to do a big, she's going to do a big presentation. But before they went out for the big presentation, she's like, I want to talk to the boys alone. And so everybody leaves and she's like, you stole $20 from me. 
And they were like, oh, Felix had been like struggling with it since that happened. And so he had told Benji he didn't have the money, his half of the money. And Benji's like, whatever, it's no big deal. And he's like, hey, mom, can I borrow $20? I I borrowed $20 from Felix. Can I have $20? And so she just like hands it over. So Felix had the $20 to pay her back. So she and Benji's like, whatever, we didn't steal it. We borrowed it. And so Felix hands over the $20 and they make a bunch of excuses. And then Benji's like, well, what does it matter? anyway that's like a penny to you laura friendly's like not having any of this she's like do you know a penny compounded if it magically doubled every day for 30 days how much that would be and felix of course figures it out it's over five million dollars and so she's like don't act like twenty dollars is nothing just because i'm a billionaire and like she's all offended by this and she's like you know what when i was a kid my i stole a chocolate bar and my mom didn't say a word. She went back to the store. She paid for the candy bar. And then she bought the rest of the candy bars they had, which was like 16 candy bars or something. And she made me eat every one of those candy bars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, basically, so she wouldn't be tempted by choc- to steal chocolate again. And she's like, I'm going to do that to you guys. I have a deal for you. You can take your $10,000 scholarship right now and walk away. Or I will give you the equivalent of a penny compounded every day for 30 days, which is over $5 million, but you have to spend it in 30 days. And then if you spend it in 30 days, I will give you $10 million. And so, of course, Benji's all over. He's like, yeah, we'll do it. And Felix is like, I don't know about this. And she's like, the, there, there will be some rules. You can't give it to charity. You can't buy assets with it, like a house or cars or blah, blah, blah. Holy cow. And you can't tell anybody. So, of course, Benji talks Felix into doing it. So they agree. Then, like, the craziness ensues with them trying to spend $5 million without anybody knowing. And, of course, their parents are freaking out. This sounds so fabulous. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. And I know, like, this isn't really entrepreneurial. But it is in a way. They do become entrepreneurs in the very end, not giving any spoilers. But I thought that it was kind of, a, it's fascinating because it's about managing money and how what money really means and what you can buy with money, what you can't buy yeah. with money. And also, for those of us who grew up in the 80s, you might remember Brewster's Millions. <laughs> I vaguely remember. Was, any, was that Richard Pryor? So yeah, Montgomery Brewster, played by Richard Pryor, he has to spend $30 million in 30 days in order to inherit $300 million. And so the whole point of that was that his uncle who had died, I think it was the uncle, he knew that Montgomery Brewster didn't have money and he wanted him to kind of become sick of spending money to get it out of his system. So he ah. can manage the money more responsibly and have a better understanding of how far money goes and how people treat you with money and all that kind of stuff. So, and that's kind of, I mean, that's basically the same premise of this book where Laura Friendly wanted to teach them this lesson about what money really means. And so Millionaires for a Month, though, it's so appealed to like your fantasies. Yeah, what do they buy? Bendy and Felix, they buy rare comic books, vintage Jordans. <laughs> they buy Star Wars movie Such clothes. Like boy things. I love oh my it. gosh. They get online and play video games and buy like all the different things you can buy in video games. Oh my God. They bought dinosaur skeletons. <laughs> this is like such an epic boy thing too. Oh I my God. This. It's hilarious. They bought a trip to Disney for themselves and all their families and they took like a private jet and all that. They bought private concert pizza parties for their school. I mean, 
just hilarious. Did they spend it? Oh, you can't tell me because it was. Spoiler, I can't so. ruin the ending. Yeah, don't. Okay. But it was, it was really fun. Like thinking about like what I would spend the money. At. Even my husband and I were like talking about what would you spend it on? And, and, you know, all the kids in the story were talking about it too at school, you know, but then they also learned like so many important lessons along the way, like things you couldn't buy with money, like real friendship, the pride and love of your family, the health of a pet. There was a oh, lot right. of stuff. The other really cool thing that I loved, loved, loved about this story. We always have like that side character that we love. Usually it's like a grandparent or something, you know, in stories. This one had um, Benji hired a driver for them for the month, you know, so that because they couldn't drive. And then they, of course, they rented like crazy high end cars for like that they could drive, but they didn't need a driver. So they hired this guy who's he was like in his 20s, but he was a philosophy student. <laughs> and so it's really cool because he kind of figures out what's going on because he's with them all the time. And so he's like interjecting all these really interesting, like philo- philosophical discussions throughout the whole story, which I thought, oh my gosh, this is brilliant for this age group to think about some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he's constantly like, they'd be like, well, what do you think? And like, he would throw out some, well, this philosopher would think blah, 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 you know, and it's really, really fascinating. And the boys kind of get into that too. So they talk to him a lot and he's with them everywhere they go. So he's sort of like their chaperone through the whole thing. They do some crazy stuff. They fly to another city without telling their parents and all this stuff. So yeah, their parents kind of get a little bit upset throughout the whole thing. I was going to say, how do the parents not kind of clue in as to what's happening? So she set up a guardianship. Okay. So Laura Friendly and the two boys were the only people on the account. So the parents didn't even really realize how much they were spending. They bought like one huge thing kind of towards the end of the book that freaked all the parents out. And then that caused a lot of problems too. But anyway, I just thought it was so fun so interesting, plus so many really good life lessons. You know, even just the way they treated Laura Friendly and how she would kind of bristle when they would talk to her about stuff like, oh, well, it's no big deal to you. Because she wanted, she was also seeking real friendship. You know, yeah. it's hard for her. It, it was just really fascinating. I thought the whole thing was so good. That sounds good. That sounds like a great book. Um, and I also, because I have to harp on it one more time, it's really nice to see some more books with boy characters. Well, I will point this out. And I have, um, before we move on, I was going to mention some more middle grade entrepreneur books. And I do have to point out that they are all boy characters. So we're at the other problem. Yeah, now. we're at the other problem because I feel like with the cooking, you know, it's like the same gender thing where it's like, oh, all girls want cooking. All boys want how to start a business. That kind of bothered me. Yeah. Because most of the entrepreneur books that I know about for middle grade all have boy characters, which that's not. Well, here we go. Come on, publishers, do better. Do better. Mix it up. Yeah. So in my household, my my husband owns his own business, which is some, so it's something really important to us. Like we wanted to teach our son about because business and money management is kind of not something they get in school. Right. So I think it's something that's really important for parents to talk about with their kids, like how to manage money, how to earn money, where money comes from, you know, just all that stuff. And my husband helped my son start his own small business when he was probably like nine or 10. And he bought him a candy dispenser, like the kind where you put a quarter in and they filled it with Skittles. And then they went around to some businesses, local businesses and asked if they could put it in their business. And a local pizza place agreed. 
He was sweet. He was his own entrepreneur, the pizza owner guy. So he was like, yeah, sure. And my son started earning money off of it right away. Like he made pretty good money off of that. And so he paid my husband back for his initial investment of the candy machine. And then after my son owned the candy machine, he went back into the pizza guy and said, I'm going to pay you, I think it was 10% of all my earnings. Oh, nice. So every time he went in and took the money out of the machine, he would go in, take the money out of the machine, clean the whole machine, refill it if it needed it. And then he would give the pizza owner 10%. And I mean, he was making like $60 a month off that machine. Wow. It was kind of cool. So then he saved up that money from that to buy a second machine. And the second machine he put in a studio, art studio for kids. And so this is just basically how my husband was helping him learn how to run a business and he would save the money, some money back for, to grow the business. And they would, they would kind of dream. I would hear them at night sort of dreaming about, okay, well, you made this much money off of one machine. What if you had five machines? How much money would you make? What if you had a hundred machines, you know, and they would fantasize, but also think about like just that idea of how growth happens and how, where money comes from and all that stuff. And he used to tease me. He's like, mom, when I make enough money, I'll hire you to go around and clean and fill all my candy machines. Gee, thanks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but anyway, it was really cute. So when uh, when my son was middle grade age, I kind of helped out by finding all these books about kid entrepreneurs. So we had a couple of favorites. One of our favorites was Lunch Money by Andrew Clements. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. He, and so these are all older books. They're not new, but... Um, but that's also... Um, lunch Money is... Um, Oh, I'm going to misspeak, but I think in a couple of states that I've lived in, it's it's a standard. It's on the standard core curriculum now. Fourth grade? Frindle was like, I think, his most popular book. But yeah, Lunch Money is so cool. So that's kind of about a kid who figures out how to make money off of his classmates by make, selling comic books that he makes. But they sort of have stories based on what's happening at the school and it kind of <laughs> gets out of hand, but it's pretty fun. And then my very, very favorite, because of course... Um, the author, but it's Lawn Boy and Lawn Boy Returns, two books by Gary Paulson. I never read those. Oh my God, I love these books. I actually want to send those to your kids because I think they would love them. Um, they're really tiny, tiny books, like not very, you know, super fast reads, but they're about a boy who inherits his grandpa's old riding lawnmower and he starts mowing lawns for extra money. And one of his clients is a stockbroker. So the stockbroker teaches him to invest his money. It might be a little dated, I'm not sure, but we love those books when they came out. And then there's also the older series, The Lemonade Wars by Jacqueline yeah. Davies, which are super popular. I mean, there's tons Didn't of those they make books. a movie or something? Is there a movie? A movie yeah, or they might have. series or something, I think. Because that's about two siblings. So that has a girl <clears throat> and a boy in it um, yeah. who have dueling lemonade stands. And it includes a, like a lot of marketing techniques and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting. And then, of course, you know, lemonade stands have become a whole thing since then. Right. Because there's the lemonade day that teaches kids how to start their own business through lemonade stands. So if you go to LemonadeDay.org, you can learn all about that, like how to start a business through a lemonade stand. So that's super popular. Um, around the same time those books came out, which it was one I'd never found, which I just found it when I was doing a search and it's called the toothpaste millionaire by Jean Merrill. It looks adorable. And that has an African American main character, but he makes his own toothpaste and then oh, he cool. ends up selling it. I was like, it just sounds hilarious. So I wish I had seen that cause I would have read it before this episode, but that was an older, I think that one it's pretty old. It came out like in 2006 or something like that, but so some of these, I I think they stand the test of time. I don't know. I'd have to go back. And I think it. they do because like, like he's, even like Brewster's Million. I mean, that's right. still the concept's the concept. It's not changing that much. So, Right. Anyway, 
That's awesome. all I got. Good job. I thought those were fun books. So I had Millionaire for a Month by Stacey McAnulty and you had... A Middle School's a Drag, You Better Work by Greg Howard. Greg Howard, we're coming for you. <laughs> all right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about our own miserable attempts to make millions. <laughs> yeah, I'm still poor, so it didn't work out. <laughs> they say Spoiler the first, alert. The first million's the hardest, right? <laughs> oh, right. Okay, then I'm still working on it. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. All right, uh, Margie, again, you go first again. What are some of the jobs you've had? Okay, so um, I've had some bad jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, this does not count, but my uh, when I was a kid, my mother remarried the local mortician. Yeah, I was waiting and, for you to talk yeah, about that. I forgot about that. That literally <laughs> didn't even strike my head as bad jobs, but we had to work in the funeral home and I had to deliver bodies off to be cremated. <laughs> Why am I I think it all makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so that was definitely one of the worst jobs. I used to have to roll the dead body. <laughs> oh my God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I had to roll around the dead bodies and, oh Lord, deliver them everywhere. So because that wasn't enough, um, I went through a phase in undergrad where I was like, I'm not sure I want to go back. I think I want to take a little time off. Mm. But I was going home for the summer. It was the one summer I went home. I think it was after my sophomore year, freshman year, freshman year. I wanted to transfer, but that wasn't an option. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll just quit <laughs> out of spite. So my mother was like, well, I talked to some people and I got you a job. And I got a job at a local bakery. Okay, here's the problem. Fat girls do not work in bakeries because the jokes just write themselves. Let's start there. Second of all, in order to work in a bakery, you have to get up and go to work at four o'clock in the morning. And then you come home by like eight or whatever. But, you know, third of all, you can't go work in a bakery in that, that was the early 90s, without getting up every morning and, and making that same comment, time to make the donuts, like the Dunkin' Donuts man. Every day as I drove my Grand Prix to work, I would be like, <laughs> time to make the donuts. So that was like my posed dead bodies, like foray into something <laughs> dead better. Dead and donuts. Right. That so sounds I went, like a book. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, there we go, right? The childhood of Margie. Um <laughs> <laughs> that was that was definitely one of my worst ones. I mean, for some reason, <laughs> the thought of pushing dead bodies around did not fall into my worst category. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking about that, too. Some of the stuff I did on the farm, which not probably as, would be bad considered is, bad. Yeah. I guess because you were working for your family, you just thought mm -hmm. it was expected and there wasn't a choice in the matter. So mm -hmm. my other worst one was that between grad school, I needed to make a lot of money fast or I wanted to make a lot of money fast because I was graduating. I was leaving Iowa to go to graduate school in Philadelphia and I needed to like pad my wallet yeah. so I could live in Philadelphia and not feel like I was totally strapped for cash. Plus, as one might imagine, even in 1990 something, the price of rent in Iowa City versus the price of rent in Philadelphia was vastly different. So I needed to make a lot of money fast. So the best way I could do that was working. Then, no. the, <laughs> right again, <laughs> we kidding. we go back to that fat girl thing. That wasn't hip then. Now it is, but not then. Um, I had to. Uh, I could make big bucks if I worked the overnight shift in a convenience store. 
So I did. And it was horrendous. It literally was absolutely horrendous because you know, like the freaks come out at night. That's literally a true story. The crazy freaks are out at night. And in a million years, I would never let my child do that job. (laughs) But you know, whatever. Um, it was shady. There was like a shooting in one of the one in one of the convenience stores a couple towns over. Nobody seemed to think to warn me about it. Whatevs. It was terrible. And you drink coffee all night long. Your whole body system is a disaster. People do horrendous things in bathrooms in the cover of darkness. And you're the convenience store worker that has to clean them up. And if ever in a moment of life was there like, should I go on and go to that graduate degree? That was it. It was like, oh, keep going, girl. Keep going. Do not settle now. So that was one of the worst jobs I ever had. But what about you? I I had to think about this for a while because I, I had some good jobs. But one of the ones I did, it wasn't really a terrible job, but it had a lot of like highs and lows, right? Okay, so uh-huh. I was in high school and it was like the summer. I think it was between the summer between my junior and senior year. And a woman from our church was probably like, are like in her 40s or late 30s and she wanted to go back to college to get a degree but over the summer she was going to have to take like this class where she had to do kind of like clinicals or whatever where she had to be there and she had two little girls and so she wanted she hired me to babysit her girls like I don't know <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure what she was thinking, but (laughs) she hired me to be with her girls like all day for the summer. She probably paid you like $70 a month. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much I made. Yeah, I don't know. We were really cheap back in the day. Yeah, I don't even remember the money then, which I don't know. So I'd be there in the morning and then I would make supper and then I would leave. Sometimes if the dad was going to be gone too, I might, I might stay or stay. The, and there was a couple of days I remember when I stayed the night, but, um, good Lord. I know it was, a, it was a lot. Like that's kind of a, a lot. lot. You literally parented those children. Yeah. And I probably messed them up. <laughs> But I remember I loved playing with them. Like we would come up with fun craft ideas. Like one time we decorated a bunch of headbands, which is like a standard thing for me to do with little kids. And I would read them my favorite stories. Like I remember reading them A Wrinkle in Time. Like we did all that. And I took them swimming and all that stuff. I mean, I drove them around. Here I was like 17. I, know, right? I drove them all over I remember the place. doing that crazy stuff too. I remember um, like one time, I think it was when the dad was maybe out of town too or something. And he they came he came back early and the house was trash. I'm not a housekeeper. I wasn't I'm maybe kind of starting to get it now, but I'm not a good housekeeper. <laughs> and the house was trash. Like we had drug out all the toys, we'd slept in the living room, made forts. I mean, when he walked in, the look on his face. And I just was so embarrassed, but I'm like, oh, well. You left me in charge. I'm literally a teenager. (laughs) And then also one time I made crescent dogs, which is like a standard thing for me to make. Is that like pigs in a blanket? Yeah. Well, it's like where you take crescent rolls and you roll it around a hot dog and bake it. Okay. It's good to see that you've still, you you hold firm to your roots. You're still making them now. (laughs) Uh, And I had burnt, like burned the bottoms of them. So they stuck to the pan so I couldn't get them off. (laughs) tried to soak and scrub and I had like scraped the spatula on that pan and it was ruined. It was Teflon. It was <laughs> it was ruined and I just like put it back in the drawer with like baking pans were and the dad was like no you thought that would just fly under the radar <laughs> that ruined pan in there <laughs> I was always so embarrassed when I was a kid so I just didn't know any better I'm just like oh well but anyway so that was sort of an interesting job. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> 
I also, well, I was going to say like, like we were talking about earlier, like on the farm, I had a bunch of jobs that most people probably would think were terrible. Like I walked beans, which you have oh, to Oh God, walk. everybody did that. And that's terrible. I never detasseled though, I have to say, but I did walk beans where you have to pull the weeds out of the rows, but, and it was hot and buggy, but I did it with my neighbor friend and we had a blast. So I never really, like I've shoveled manure, thrown hay bales, walked beans, all that. It's kind of dirty, but I never really minded it. There was one job I did when I was in a summer when I was in college. I like to work in bridal shops, which talk about like when we were, you were talking about the drag stuff, bridal shops always have like a special place for men to come in and they'll have like the larger shoes and, yeah. and like fancy dresses, you know, and, um, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. But so they hired me and they didn't have a sales position, but they're like, well, we have this seamstress job. And I'm like, well, I kind of know how to sew. <laughs> Oh girl! And they had the woman who'd been there forever and she was supposed to teach me, right? Oh, she was terrible. She took all the easy jobs because she could make more money that way because it was all piecework and gave me all the really hard like bridal jobs where you had to like, fill, you know how sometimes they were resell each bead. And- well, and sometimes they showed too much cleavage and women wanted that covered up like if they're more conservative. And I had to do that on this one dress and the bride was like crying because <laughs> bad job but I was like why is this seamstress who's been doing this for 20 years giving me like she would take all the easy jobs where you have to like take in the sleeves a little bit or something like that and leave me with all the really hard stuff and yeah that was a terrible job I hated that because she was so mean and she wouldn't teach me anything I was like all right I don't think I, I think I stayed there for like maybe three weeks or something and that was it <laughs> oh my god so what's one of your best ones um I I have to say, I've been very lucky with jobs, even in high school. Like I cleaned a dentist's office, um, which I really liked because the cleaner smelled like oranges and those places are so clean anyway. So it's like super satisfying to just come in and do like my quick cleaning. And then I was a waitress at a fancy steakhouse and I made like $400 on Mother's Day one year, which I thought I was loaded because, you know, when you're in high school and you make a lot of money, you don't. Yeah, I had some nice clothes that year. But (laughs) and then in college, um, I I usually worked on campus, like in the financial aid office, which was the best, because if any extra scholarships came in, they'd just be like, hey, Heather, why don't you fill out this application for the scholarship? They were like, yeah, we can get this for you. It was the best. Oh my God. Yeah, that was super smart. I highly recommend that to anybody because that was one of the best things I stumbled into. After college, I was a marketing director for an orthodontics manufacturing company, which was fascinating. I worked in a real estate office. It was so fun to go into all the houses. Like I would go in and take the pictures and stuff. It was really fun. And then I worked as an editor at the kids magazines, which I loved that job. I still kind of miss it sometimes. And then I was a freelance writer for the home improvement industry, like which I still do sometimes. But I did that whole time I was raising my son. I've been really lucky. All of my those jobs were awesome. Time to make the donuts. <laughs> I can say. (laughs) Okay. What about you? Give me some happy ones. Before I started teaching. And then while I was teaching for a long time, right when I got out of grad school, I worked with a costume designer and then that led me to other costume designers. And, um, I worked for the opera company of Philadelphia as a milliner, which was really awesome. I got to make opera hats. Um, I worked as, you know, I worked with all kinds of, all kinds of places because you can only design so many shows, but you still have to like fill your salary. So in order to like make your money as a freelancer, 
you kind of jump from like, you could work at the ballet, you can work at the opera, you can work at other theaters, it's just doing different jobs. And I always ended up because I had a degree in sculpture, I always ended up in like millinery and crafts. And one of the best jobs that I ever had, and I love to this day, I worked on for a, a theater in Philadelphia as the head distressor. Ooh. Distressor is like, you basically have to make make it look like it was damaged. So whatever you're wearing, you can't put new clothes on stage. This Czechoslovakian director was like, it does not look like dog shit on it. And I was like, oh, you need more dog shit. And I was like, okay, because the, the character had been like attacked in the park. And he's like, I need, I need to see she roll around in dog shit. And I'm like, all right, more of that. Okay. I mean, I mean like I made, do you know you make, if you want a shotgun blast on stage after that, you make the brain spray out of orzo. You boil Ooh, orzo really? in, in red dye and that gives you like brain matter. It was so fun. I learned because I worked with other distressors in other places. And one guy that I worked with, he didn't stick around long at all. I learned so much from him. And then he went to Los Angeles. Of course, then I took all his jobs. <laughs> but it was good. I'm like, you know, you know, you go, girl. You go ahead and make the big bucks. I'm going to just take up your leftovers. But it was awesome. You know, like sandpaper and schmutz and all the stuff that you need. And I loved I, again, what does that say about me? I loved destroying the clothes more than I liked making them. Um, and it was really fun. It's such a science. I think that's why I got into it because it's more of a science. Like where would the wear be? If they're doing this job, where would the wear on their knees be? If they're doing this, if they were attacked here, if they're shot here, it, you know, and it was really fun. So that was probably, yeah. If I could go back and make one life choice of anything, I would probably become a distressor because it was really fun. That's cool. One time I made it, I had to make a giant a distressed mud man and he, for the, he was a golem. And the golem, guy that was playing yeah. the golem was um, this really, he was an ex football player and he had a lot of head injuries. I think he was not the brightest. And I was working, I mean, it was just caking this with, with like a, basically a fake mud every day to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day this guy comes in and he's just chatting it up. And I was like, well, at least it's not the golem man. Cause he's as dumb as a rock. And this guy was so nice. We're in the Annenberg Center in Philadelphia, and I was, he's, I'm like, well, what are you here for? I mean, he was a nice older man. He was so chatty, and we had so much in common. We were talking about art and everything. I'm like, what are you, are you here? Are you, you're not in the show. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm performing on the main stage. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Nothing, thought nothing of this, right? And he's like, um, we have a really nice craft services. Are you hungry? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And he's like, you want a gin and tonic? I'm like, sure. He's like, our craft services has it, because I always request it. I'm like, Okay. Meanwhile, making the mud man, making the mud man, not thinking anything. Guy brings me a nice, nice plate of food. We have a gin and tonic while I'm waiting for my mud to dry. And, um, and then he's like, they come back and the, the woman knocks on the door. She's like, Oh, there you are, Mr. Glass. I'm looking all over for you. And I'm like, Okay. All right. He's like, Well, I got to go. It's my time. I'll stop, you know, I'll stop by later and see how the mud man's going. And I was like, good talking to you. Thanks for the JNT. You know, we had a good time. <laughs> it was Philip Glass. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I literally just spent the day with Philip Glass and a mud man. Who knew? <laughs> I was such an idiot. I had no clue who he was. But he was probably happy to have someone who didn't know who he was. So just <laughs> like be it. normal yeah. around him. Yeah. He's like, I got to go. They're waiting for me on the main stage. I'm like, all right, Phil. Catch up later. <laughs> <laughs> and my boss that I was working, she was the head designer. Janice walks by and she's like, isn't that Philip Glass? And I'm like, apparently it is. Didn't know. <laughs> I was like, but he does make a nice gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. Your first clue would have been like that craft services, my craft services made right? him anything right. he wanted. <laughs> right? I'm like, Mine goes down to the wall and brings back hoagies. What are you talking about? <laughs>
But again, I'm still working on my millions. Yeah. I met a lot of famous people. I met, I did famously one time stand in front of Arthur Miller and they were like, Mr. Miller will, will comment on that. And I'm like, isn't he dead? <gasps> and he goes, no, I'm right here. And he was standing behind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, isn't he dead? He's coming to comment on it. He's like, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was an idiot. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Good times back in the day. Yeah. So I had a, my claim to fame is that I just insulted a lot of famous people, had a lot of brushes with really famous people without not my knowledge. <laughs> and I never, never made it famous. But anyway, that's good. So that, that was my best job. Me and Philip Glass hanging out, making a mud man. That's awesome. I love it. Very yeah, cool. So, so what's up for our next episode? Well, it's your favorite of all genres. We're reading fantasy. Yay. No more realistic fiction. What? Not not next week. So <laughs> next week, I'm going to be reading um, The Mysterious Disappearance of Aiden S. by David Leviathan, which looks awesome. Yeah, that looks and I'm really, really excited for that. Yeah. And I'll be reading The Hat Makers by Tamsin Merchant. That looks so good. I know. And I've always loved the name Tamsin. So I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see what she's got going on. I really had a hard time picking something. So I did. Margie recommended that one to me. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. Because I was like, I've got a list of it like 20. <laughs> yeah. And that one I know. It looks really good, good, though. It looks good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hat makers, maybe Philip Glass will be there. Who knows? Hey, you never know. <laughs> I want you to make a hat for me now that I know you're a milliner. Come on I now. Know. It, was, it was good. I love that. It's very, it's, it's very tedious. And there's a lot of, yeah, honestly, it's, there's a lot of geometry in it. And I hated math, but I was really good at geometry. So there we go. There you go. So anyway, this is going to rock. So this is going to be wait. my beach read for the week because, you know, that's what I do now. I oh, just go my to the God. Beach. It's that time of year. Could you just tell us any more about how you get to go to the beach all the time? I know. We go to the beach <laughs> at least once a week, at least once a week. And I love it so much. And my kids are such beach snobs, but, you know, not bad for a girl who grew up in Iowa. So <laughs> we should wrap this up, by the way, speaking of the beach before the hurricane hits, right? I, so. I know, right? I got this. <laughs> I hope it's still in one piece. I hope my kids are still upstairs. <laughs> you walk up in the house, it's just like gone. I know. <laughs> but right. we got our oh. podcast recorded, dang it. Exactly. And the power's still on. So it's <laughs> <We're> open. <laughs> and so that wraps it up. Um, this episode about entrepreneurs. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review and share us with your friends. We'll love you forever. We're trying to build a little bit of audience. I know, and we're making great strides. So share us. If you like us, share us, tell your friends. It's so funny because I've seen a lot of parents say, I'm looking for books for my kid to summer read. So send them, send us to them. Right. We'll give them our advice. We have lots of things. We have lots of uh, opinions. Yes, about we'd love so. to share our opinions. And also, if you'd like to join us twice a month for Kid Lit Discussion, Please subscribe to our podcast or any of the places where you get your podcasts because then it'll just show up in your little player and you'll We're have magically us. there. Yep. And if you want to find out what's happening in our worlds um, and what's on the next episode, you can follow us on Two Lit Mamas podcast on Instagram, TWO, TWO Lit Mamas on Facebook, Two Lit Mamas podcast on Facebook. Now I did change that. Sorry. <gasps> oh, thank and you. On our website, www.twolitmamas.com. What's Heather's husband fixes? Oh, my website. God. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that is actually my bad because I know our website's really messed up right now and I will have that fixed. All right. Have a great week. Avoid yes. any hurricanes and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.